Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I am your host, Andrea Butcher, and wow, do I love this conversation today. It's such a good story, and it's a juicy story. It's one of ownership and humility in leading through a big, big leadership challenge. Sue Joyce is the VP of People at Terminus, an account-based marketing firm. But what you really need to know about Sue as you listen to this conversation today is how she approaches her biggest failures as her biggest learning opportunities. Listen in as she shares a story about waking up to a huge mistake a moment that she recalls as the most miserable I have ever felt, and how she responded, and her boss at the time, the CFO of the business, showing up with such incredible leadership, lessons that we can all learn from. Like Sue, I am in awe of this incredible example of complete ownership. Check it out. I began HR in a tech company pretty soon after college. I did a high school internship in executive search and quickly decided that while executive search wasn't for me, recruiting was. So I started in a staffing agency right out of college. Unfortunately, that history degree wasn't really the degree that I needed to launch my HR career. So I started in staffing and thankfully had a tech client of mine who liked my recruiting work and hired me internally at their company. And from there, almost my entire career has been in uh, tech-focused, high-growth companies that usually have a strong side of acquisitions as well. Okay. I have to ask about this history degree. Have you always been interested in history? How so did that I, come to be your major? <laughs> you, you sound like several family members in my life. <laughs> you know, I don't think at that time anybody was challenging me with, well, what job is that history degree going to get you? I just kind of had this very naive, like, I'm fairly smart-ish and I work hard. Surely somebody will hire me. It doesn't really matter what the degree is. That's actually not true. That's not a career trajectory I would recommend. And truthfully, I walked into a staffing agency after searching for about six months and said, please, goodness, can you hire me for absolutely anything? I'm a good person. I'll show up to work and get the job done. And they hired me at their front desk. Oh, that's good. Well, and it's all purposeful, isn't it? It's always fun to look back and see how the dots all connected and the stars aligned somehow to get you to where you are. Well, and when I asked you recently to tell me about a pivotal moment in your career, you shared such a great story that highlights so many important leadership lessons. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to share it with our listeners today. And it's, it's a failure that you experienced. So tell us about that. Yeah, I love being identified as a failure, but the truth is like, that's where the lessons are. So I don't mind sharing them with people because I think it also helps everybody feel better. I have this great story of my sister who was a head of marketing and she pushed out a press release with her company name spelled wrong. And so whenever I feel bad, I'm like, well, at least I didn't spell my own company's name wrong in the press release. Oh my gosh. Well, and I just imagine all of the eyes and the millions of times she looked at it and didn't even see it. <laughs> totally true. So her story is great because it's about having to own up to a colossal failure. And mine is similar with a different ending. So 
This failure has to do with implementing a payroll system. If you are an HR person with any kind of longevity to your record, you probably have implemented a new payroll system at some point. It comes for us all as your company scale. And I had a payroll team working underneath me. We put in a new system and then the nightmare occurred of the first payroll hits and no one gets paid. And my very first text of the morning comes through at 5 a.m. with, there's no money in my checking account. Literally the worst. And our company size- The worst scenario. The worst. And you're tempted at first to kind of brush that off. You're like, it's probably just that one person, right? And then you start looking at your emails, you know, listening to voicemails at that time, which no one does anymore. And then you realize this isn't a one or two person error. This is actually quite huge. And that that's how you were feeling in that moment, right? Yeah, this is huge. And I was relatively new to the company. It was one of my first major initiatives and actions was to decide that we needed to transform our vendor to kind of handle future growth at the company. Had you been involved in the decision to the, to move to this vendor? Like, was how did that unfold? We had a full RFP process. I felt like I was in meetings back to back for 30 days looking at different platforms. And I still regularly get emails from vendors that are like, would you like to come get a free piece of jewelry if you come to our cocktail hour and listen to my payroll demo? Like, it still like haunts me every time I see a payroll vendor's email. I'm like, no. So I wake up, I get my first text. I'm like optimistic. It's just a person or two. And it's not, it's literally the entire company that wasn't paid that day. And I have a very strong kind of emotion about paying people, paying people fairly and making sure that everything's exactly right. I have this kind of joke on my people team. When you input a salary, a lot of time the rounding turns out weird. So if someone is supposed to be making $40,000, if you're not paying attention to that input, they make $39,999.99. And I refuse to have that be their payroll. We committed to $40,000. It has to be $40,000. And people are like, well, with the rounding, it's going to be $40,000.23. And I'm like, well, we're going to pay them 23 cents extra because they earned every penny. We have to pay that. And I'm very sensitive around people who live paycheck to paycheck. That happens at tech companies too. You never know what circumstances people are in with their finances, where their money needs to go. So not paying people on a payday can have colossal repercussions. It can affect their credit score, obviously. It can affect their rent. It can affect just their ability to pay for things for their kids that day. You can really ruin someone's life very quickly when you don't pay them the way that you're committed to. So needless to say, like this was a really big deal for you that it must have hurt really bad. I'm not good at failure. I think like most HR people, I want to please and succeed and do things correctly. And everything went awry on this. And I don't think I've felt more miserable then waking up and realizing nobody in my company was paid. When was this? How many years ago? Uh, this was less than four years ago. So recent failure. So you can still like feel the pain. It's so silly, but even talking about it, like it really does all come back to me of this emotion. No, I feel uncomfortable right now too. <laughs> it's it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It was, you know, like I said, it was also one of my first actions at this company where 
I just got it all wrong. Well, but it's good. I mean, I, I think, and our listeners are probably feeling the discomfort as well. I mean, yeah, this is a big deal, this, this situation. So what I start trying to do is figure out how quickly we can rectify this error. But the payroll company and my payroll team are unsure of what the error is. And it takes us about four hours to suss out I'm going to give you the answer of what happens so everybody else can like make a mental note if you're ever you know, like switching payroll companies. The direct deposit info, that routing, that account number was transcoded uh, incorrectly. They did kind of a protective file format. It was uploaded to the new system. Nobody ever checked to make sure the direct deposit numbers came over correctly. Generally, you would do kind of like a very easy one cent direct deposit to make sure the accounts were right. That wasn't part of our process. So everyone had wrong transit and account numbers. So there's no place for the money to go. Oh, goodness. What, as you dissected the error, like where did it lie? Like, was it with the payroll company and how they transcoded those routing numbers? Like, what was the ultimate issue? The ultimate issue was probably a mix of two things. One was on the transcoding of the number and the payroll person on on my company side in charge of doing that, never opened the file and looked. And if you looked at the account number quickly, there's not exclamation points in routing numbers and account numbers. So she never looked at the file. It just got sent on. Our company uploaded it, didn't double check. But like kind of the other piece of the failure is Companies generally do this one cent direct deposit to kind of check to make sure the accounts are right. They didn't do it. I didn't think of it. And later they were like, oh, we usually do that, but we didn't in your case. So a few different data points of how failures occur. Okay. I also want to know, so go back to the painful moment. Sorry, I hate (laughs) to take you there. I want to know what was the first thing you did. All this is going through your head. You said it took about four hours to actually uncover the issue. What were the first few actions that you took? Did you call the payroll company? Did you call your boss? What'd you do? I have a very clear call my boss first. And that's the kind of boss I am too. I just want to know about it. So I'm brought into the loop and I can cover people and I have the knowledge. So I have a very transparent, tell me as early as possible when something's off the rails so that I'm aware and I'm not surprised by anything. So I called my boss first. It was so early. I left her a voicemail. Hey, Sue, guess what? We've had a colossal failure and your day's going to be ruined. Call me when you get this. I checked my account just to make sure that there was an error there too. And there wasn't like the one person that got paid. And I started calling our payroll company who was essentially asleep and didn't return calls for multiple hours. So I'm there trying to figure out how we're going to recover I have no information from payroll company. I've let my boss know. And I'm trying to quickly think, what are my levers to get people paid as soon as possible? And the only way to do that is a wire transfer from our wonderful accounting and finance department into an individual account. But big picture, if I'm losing interest on payroll saga, I understand, but I find it really interesting. You just can't put net amounts into checking accounts. There's got to be a backup for that. So we're, and there's also people who have multiple accounts, right? There's people with money all over the place. There's also wire fees. Banks charge for wire fees. So 
I start trying to get our plan in place to get people paid as quickly as possible. Our payroll company has a five-day turnaround time for processing new cycles. So it's not like it was a 24-hour fix. It was a five-day fix, which means essentially our accounting and finance team spent about four hours processing individual wire transfers to people and sending money for additional wire fees. And then there's people, there are some banks that don't accept wires. It got like uglier and uglier throughout the day. But then we get to, it's two o'clock and it's time for our company all hands. (laughs) Oh shit, the company all hands was that day. Of course. It gave you, it gave you an opportunity to address it to the whole company, I guess. So here's where the leadership lesson comes in. You ready? I did not address it. My CFO boss addressed it. You reported to the CFO. I did. So as we're talking throughout this day about all the twists and turns of trying to get people paid, I said, well, I'm ready for two o'clock to give a little bit of information around how this error came to be. It's ultimately on my shoulders. I'm going to own up to it, apologize, make sure people know that these wire transfers are coming and reimbursing wire fees. Their W-2s are going to be correct, et cetera, et cetera. And my CFO boss said, that's not your failure. That's my failure. And I said, no, you have nothing to do with this. And she's like, sure I do. I'm your boss. I have a lot to do with this. I'm like, boss, you never saw a register. You never approved a file. You weren't really in the RFPs. This is me. And she's like, and do you think I'm the type of leader that would let my new VP of people stand in front of the company her first quarter on the job and tell them all that she failed executing on a payroll platform transfer. Do you think that's who I am? That's amazing. I know I got chills chills and tears (laughs) in my eyes. Double whammy. What is her name? I mean, let's celebrate that. Her name is Kathy. Kathy, big win. And I think prior to that, my mind might have been in the place that I was going to stand up in front of the company and point out the error, take responsibility, while sort of, sort of letting everyone know that the person underneath me who transferred this file was the person at fault. I wouldn't have gone with everybody go hate that person over there, but I'm pretty sure I would have backed into a way to let everyone know that I was the big boss taking responsibility, but it wasn't really me. And I hate to say that, but sometimes you do have to learn these leadership lessons. Well, even my questioning to you earlier was kind of, I was looking for like, who, who's to blame? And it's like the natural reaction. It's the natural reaction. Who's to blame? And I think the leadership lesson, until you have a leader that makes you want to change something differently about yourself, and your process and your way of operating in the world, you don't really get there to be the leader, the good leader your employees want. So it's one of my like enduring lessons. While it was a payroll failure, the lesson is not, hey, dork, you probably should have checked the file or done the one cent deposit. The lesson was to really lead your people. You take upline responsibility, and that doesn't mean illustrating to others who's the person really at fault. And she was so kind, like, it just stays with me to be that type of leader, because there's always failures. And there's always people who want to do the witch hunt of who's at fault. And that's not really generally what matters. What matters is, 
how you resolve it, how quick you can execute on the, on the like getting back to success. It's not really in pointing out who was the poor soul that was responsible for the mistake. It's in owning it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a story of ownership and humility. I mean, there's no ego at all in that. So tell us, how did she address it? So she stood up at the all hands and owned it totally. Yeah. And she just did such a excellent speech. Yeah. What was her message? Her message was, I hate failing. Like, I hate being here to tell you something didn't go well. Something didn't go well. And as your CFO, who's in charge of payroll and in charge of our processing, this is my failure. Sue and her team have worked hours to get our new payroll provider up and running. They chose the best vendor for you. Despite best intentions, something has gone awry on the back end, and we know you weren't paid today. We know you will be paid by end of day. We know there are repercussions to checks that bounced. There's repercussions to bills that went unpaid this morning when there was nothing in your account. We will solve all of them. We will refund your fees. We will talk to your rental agency. Whatever you need from the people team, we're going to do it for you. But this was ultimately on my shoulders. I didn't execute in the right way, and I apologize, and I'm sorry. So if you need something, come talk to me. I'm going to solve it for you. I'm your CFO. Go, Kathy. Oh, gosh. I mean, because she... she uh, alleviated everyone's concerns. She took it all on, like didn't sugarcoat. I also love like her starting with, I hate failing. I mean, she just, she just nailed it. Well, and I was so worried I was going to get fired. Like I, I don't obviously like failing. And this was so big and so visible. And I was just concerned that they were going to say like, we hired an HR person who can't execute on this. So she's not going to work here anymore. And Kathy was like, I would never let that happen. Yeah, that's amazing. It really, I mean, what a precedent it set for your relationship with her and the trust and credibility she had with you. That's remarkable. What an incredible example of leadership in such a tough situation. I mean, she really stepped up. And it it sounds like rallied the team. I mean, because you said that she, she very quickly got people, like her team engaged to start paying people. And, 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 and it sounds like, and you said like within four hours, a lot of people were paid, right? And then there were all these, there sounds like there's a lot of one-off issues they had to work through, but it sounds like, it, I mean, there was a solution, pretty quick solution to this big challenge. Pretty quick from an accounting and finance org that really wants to help ensure that the people team are successful. And that's another true part of HR is having good relationships with your finance people. You cross ties more than you might think in any given work week. And they fully understood the gravity and the need to step into execution and put down all other work that they were going to do that day. Yeah. And this is, I, I always have had a bias about the payroll function reporting up through finance for this very reason. I mean, it's, it's got to be lockstep. And when these kind of situations happen, pe- their finance team is ready to go and able to step in. You know, I do too, but goodness knows it falls on HR more times than I can count where they're like, it's people and compensation. I'm like, it's not really. But the relationship, like you said, the relationship is certainly key for for certain. But when it comes to like the blocking and tackling part of payroll, like it's a finance expertise that's necessary. 
I agree. And it, it gets ugly in that in those finance suites sometimes when people are upset about their taxes or things that go awry. But yes, agree with you. So so what were you feeling as you were listening to Kathy deliver this message? Because, I mean, this had been a just a bitch of a day for you. <laughs> <laughs> and here it is at 2 p.m. And your boss is taking complete ownership and nobody's looking at you or pointing the finger. And actually, I, I mean, she said Sue and her team have worked hours. So she lifted you up. I think, honestly, I was in a little bit of awe. Like, and I also fully expected some employee to like start pointing at me and be like, it was you. It was you who did it. I'm waiting for someone to out me in front of the company that this is ultimately my failure. But she speaks with such authority and goodwill that Kathy really commands the room when she speaks and people believe her and people follow that leadership ability to speak the truth, but also calm people down. And I think... I felt so relieved because I was like, okay, I'm not losing my job. Thankfully. Okay. I've got a job here. It's okay. But just surprise when she said she was going to lead the all hands to talk about it. I kind of assumed she was also going to back into the, like, it's my responsibility, but a, you know, just so you know, it's actually Sue's. Like I thought she was going to kind of go that route. And I was going to stand there looking like kind of stupid with like my cheeks, bright red and, knowing myself like a right a red rash like creeping up my chest up to my ears. So I think I was surprised but also just odd at the kindness and the grace and the ownership. Yeah, and the other because the other thing, there's so many things about this story like you said that are helpful for leaders. I think the other thing that is striking to me is just the reminder that you know whenever we like completely own a mistake how people naturally give us grace and the, that it garners respect, doesn't it? You know, a lot of times leaders struggle. I know so many times I have struggled just being bold and saying like, hey, I messed up here. But every single time I do that and I have done that, it works out and people are res- respectful and ultimately want to help me with a solution. It's totally true. And you see that a lot in tech companies when there's a software release that goes poorly right? Everyone, I think this has happened in every tech company under the sun. You fully expect the release to get executed perfectly. Customers are totally psyched. Your CS team is psyched. And then something goes amiss where something's broken in the release. And there's usually this accountability where some C-level executive has to stand up and say, here's what happened in the release and why it didn't get delivered, or here was the issue. And how they do that is just always fascinating to me. And what their messaging is, how they rally people to their side. Sometimes you see C-level who can't do that and they do the blame game and they're like, oh, well, it was engineering. Oh, well, it was product. But whenever I see those leaders, I always like try and send them a message now. And the people underneath them who probably, you know, did have a hand in that mistake too, of just being like, good recovery. We gotcha. Next release is going to be solid. So I try and make sure that I am lifting those people up too in the way that I was lifted up. Yeah, because you experienced the value in that. What about your team too? I, 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 I suspect that this also had an impact on them. Well, I think they were, they were all team Kathy <laughs> relatively quickly. And sometimes CFOs can be very intimidating as um, the people who work on the HR side that 
aren't necessarily at like VP level or, or kind of more senior. And I think it changed their perception of what the relationship is with CFO and HR. And also just reminding them that C-level executives are people too. And if they're trying to intimidate, you know, kind of lower level staff or earlier in their career staff, then good companies don't want that type of C-level executive. I think they were intimidated. And then they, they also kind of realized like, no, she's on our side. She wants us to be successful. Yeah, we're, and we're part of her team. She goes to bat for us. I think it's that team dynamic that a lot of companies miss in their culture. I know with my current team, we call our group the best team ever. And I'm, I'm very serious about it. Like I have the best team and I reinforce to them as often as I can that they're my number one. They're my number one priority. I'm here to cover for them, not cover. I'm there to help them make sure they're successful, help them through failures and misses because they're the best team. They're my team and they're fiercely loyal. And I want to reward that and make sure that I'm helping them and their misses too. Like, tell me what the miss is and we're going to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. You're not going to throw them under the rug if something pops up, right? You're going to go to, you're going to go to bat for them and protect them and, and own their mistakes along the way because theirs are, theirs are yours. Yeah, Kathy said that it's so stri- just so strikes me like her initial reaction. That's not your failure. That's my failure. Yeah, I don't think I would have gotten there on my own. And I'm pretty sure I would have been a, a sucky leader if I hadn't had this model. Like I'm thankful for the intervention because I don't know that I would have gotten there on my own. And you know, that's exactly why I have this show because experience is the best teacher. I mean, just as you learned through that story, like now all of all of us are learning through that story because we can feel that. We've all been there where we've shirked responsibility. We've placed blame to get ourselves out of hot water. Yeah, and that makes you feel worse. Yeah, because now you've got that on top of the mistake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like come clean, come clean, own, and people will respect you for that. Yeah, this this is a story of ownership. And I said humility earlier too, because it takes a lot of it takes a confident humility to be able to stand up in front of the entire company and own it like she did and say, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna work with you. We're gonna solve the there are gonna be ramifications of this and come to me and we will talk through those and work on them together. Right. That's such a powerful message that we care about you. Yeah. And so in some ways then could drive, I mean, she took a really awful situation and turned it into an opportunity to drive engagement. Wow. If, if my company is going to do this and go to bat for me and because I, I suspect a lot of organizations would just send an email. Sorry, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You didn't get paid. It's going to be three days. Sorry. So I'm grateful that the all hands was that day. <laughs> Man, I remember that feeling of dread, though. <laughs> I bet, but she leveraged that opportunity. So, yay, yay, Kathy! Well, I'm celebrating her example today, and I'm also celebrating the way in which you have leveraged the story, you know, and the way in which you tell you tell the story with a lot of humility and growth orientation. Yeah, you got to mature up. I mean, it's the plus side of working 20 years in HR, like. <laughs> you've been around the block and you've learned most of your lessons. So yeah, eternally thankful for them with all honesty. Well done. Well, we're all taking away the insights of this. So I appreciate, I appreciate you being here and sharing with so much vulnerability and openness. 
If our listeners want to connect with you, Sue, what's the best way to do that? Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Sue. My last name is Joyce. And I work for a company called Terminus. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story. 